Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. There are a lot of things with AI and people use it to generate content. The problem with generating content is that AI is only summarizing what's already on the web. You're not getting any new content by using AI, even though it is unique. It's just content already out there. So you don't bring new value to Google. That's why often AI content doesn't rank that well. What you can use AI for is at first draft and it's super productive this way. And then from there, it's so important that you add your own experience, your own expertise, you remove all the fluff and tidy it up and spend some hours editing it because then you will get a great piece of content. But if you simply just generate content and publish it on your on your website, it's just horrible. AI is definitely changing the game. The thing about AI taking over content jobs, it definitely has already. But people need to remember that an AI can't create new experiences like we human can. An AI can't go into a restaurant and taste something and then write a piece of content about it. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, all the way from Copenhagen in Denmark, Philip Stemann, who's an SEO consultant and is passionate about how search engine optimization can enable business growth. And also he's passionate about SEO tools. So he's a bit of an, a tool geek, he was telling me. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Philip. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much for having me, Jürgen. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me too. So um, in our pre-conversation, we talked about a lot of things, SEO and tools and how it can grow your business. So I'm keen to dig into some of that, but also about your journey as a business owner and um, migrating to a different country, starting up a business and then changing uh, to becoming a freelancer. So looking forward to digging into all of those topics. But before we do that, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Philip? The impact I'm making is simply helping people. I just want to help people understand SEO. And SEO for a lot of people can be super complicated. And my impact on the world is try to simplify it so everyone can do it, whether it's through my content or it's through my consultants. That's my impact. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you say simplify SEO because I think there's a, a branch of the industry or certainly there has been in the past a branch of the industry that likes to contain it all in a black box and pretend that it's um, 
it, it is very complicated and you can't do it by yourself. You have to engage these very expensive experts. Um, so at the core of it, um, can you explain what SEO is all about? So just while we're using this acronym SEO, it is search engine optimization. So the idea is really that what you put out into the world gets found by the search engines, right? Exactly, yeah. So it's, uh, as you say, it stands for search engine optimization. And it's basically when you Google something. So you go onto Google and then you Google, um, how do I build a certain type of bike? And then you get all of these search results. And the higher the search result is, the more optimized often the blog post is in this case. And that's what search engine optimization is all about. It's about trying to figure out how you can optimize your content to rank as high as possible in Google for specific search terms. And within search engine optimization, there are hundreds of ranking factors that you can play on. But in its essence, it's basically that you optimize your content to rank as high as possible on Google. And then from there, drive conversions and so on. But that's what SEOs are all about. Hmm. And also, I mean, the other trend that had been in the search industry in the past was trying to figure out ways to outsmart Google. And I was always, in the days when I was building websites, I was always arguing with people that tried to use that philosophy and said, you're not going to outsmart Google. Um, and uh, the other side of that, and I know we had this conversation in our earlier call about Google's guidelines. They actually tell you what to do to rank highly in the search engines. So it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's a lot of work, but pretty straightforward by following their guidelines. Exactly, yeah. And, and what you're saying is called black hat SEO. So there's white hat SEO and black hat SEO. And black hat SEO are for those people who wants to, they want quick wins. They just want to win here and now, and then they don't care about the long term. So they do small tricks on Google, but Google always discovers and then they fix the holes that people have found and then it doesn't work any longer. White hat SEO is what works long term. And as you say, Google has guidelines for everything, whether you're writing a review or a guide or a specific piece of content, they have guides on what you need to include. Of course, there are a lot more than what Google is saying, but just mm. following Google's guidelines, then you're already ahead. And it's definitely a good idea to read it through and read between the lines of what Google is trying to say and what they're not trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, 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 is, um, it always surprises me that people try to take this short-term approach that um, because if, if Google, well, Google plugs the hole, then they lose their ranking. But if Google penalizes you, that's, that's the worst case, isn't it? Because then it um, doesn't matter what you do after that, you're kind of in the doghouse. Exactly. Yeah. Once you get penalized by Google, it's extremely difficult. A lot of people, they buy a new domain and then they start over because it's just so <laughs> difficult. Uh, other people, they also delete all of their content and start over. So it's like super dangerous to do. There was also a case recently on Twitter about a guy who had copied an entire website using AI and he had <laughs> got so much traffic, but he was bragging about it on Twitter and LinkedIn and Google saw that. So they manually went in and penalized his website and his traffic just plummeted. So it's so dangerous to, to play with Google like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned AI and one of the thoughts I want to explore with you is how has 
the integration of AI and particularly ChatGPT transformed the way people should be approaching SEO because I know for myself, I find myself more and more going to ChatGPT to do a search uh, and and asking for specific things and then asking it to list the citations where the information is coming from. And then I can look at what it's presented to me because that's a summary. Is that relevant to me? And then I can go and read the individual citations, which in many cases is a lot quicker than putting that query into Google and having to filter through things that are often not necessarily as relevant. So, you know, it's, and this is related to SEO, right? Because if Google certainly wants the user, the person searching, wants the information that they're looking for to actually rank number one. So if you take that philosophy as putting together a website or information, that's how you get to number one. But how does the integration of AI play into all of this? It's it's definitely changed the game. And there's so much to unpack with AI. And it's super interesting because ChatGPT is a tool that almost all SEOs they use today. And they should for good reason. It's incredible at automating processes and generating small pieces of content. And that's that was the first, first thing with AI. There was content generation. And we saw it pop up everywhere all the way back in 2022. But ChatGPT made it a lot easier. But it's definitely interesting because I also use ChatGPT instead of Google a lot of times. But I use Google when I need a personal opinion or I need a human, how they're looking at a specific subject or if I need news. Because ChatGPT, I think it's optimized. It's I think the data is up until April 2023 right now. So it's still outdated based on what Google can mm-hmm. pro- provide. So there are these pros and cons by using AI and by using Google itself. And I think Google is also trying to build something similar to ChatGPT to fill that hole. And mm-hmm. that's why they're building SGE, Search Generative Experience. And I think it'll roll out in 2024. Let's see. But that's basically also where you get an AI answer in the SERP. So there are a lot of things with AI and people use it to generate content. The problem, though, with generating content is that AI is only summarizing what's already on the web. So you're not getting any new content by using AI to generate content, even though that it is unique content. It's just content that's already out there. So you don't bring new value to Google. And that's why often AI content doesn't rank that well. Mm. But what you can use AI for is a type of first draft and it's super productive to use it as as this way so if you need to write a piece of content for a specific search query that you want to target for then ai is great at writing the first draft and then from there it's so important that you go in and you add your own experience your own expertise you remove all the fluff and you just tidy it up and spend some hours on editing it because then you will get a great piece of content but if you simply just generate content and publish it on your on your website it's just horrible it doesn't sometimes it ranks because there are no competition but it's very rare and it's Mm. very short-term minded so ai is definitely changing the game and i think this is very far out in the future maybe 10 20 years i think that we will transition from using google to using personalized ai assistants when we need something specific because people just like this conversation style of finding information 
Whereas Google, it's you do a search, and if you need more information, then you need to do a new search, and Google doesn't remember what you searched before, mm. but AI does. So definitely interesting to see what will happen in, in the coming years. Of course, AI will continue to develop. And I think the thing about AI taking over content jobs, it definitely has already, but people need to remember that an AI can't create new experiences like we human can. An AI can't go into a restaurant and taste something and then write a piece of content about it. Yeah, Maybe in the future, who knows, but but at the <laughs> moment it, it simply can. So yeah, it's, it's super interesting to follow AI and, and how it develops all the time. Yeah. You, know, you raised a point there that I think a lot of early adopters or people jumping into AI, but not really understanding how it works um, and just seeing it as a shortcut. And it's the same thinking, I guess, as the, the black hat tricks in the early days of SEO is, uh, okay, write me an article about, I don't know, write me an article about SEO and how to rank in Google. Mm -hmm. And it, it'll give you an article. It'll probably tell you a whole bunch of suggestions that how to do that. But as you say, it'll be a regurgitation of a whole lot of other stuff. And if you're not careful, it could actually be plagiarism. Um, but what I found it where it's really useful is I can feed it a bunch of content that I have already written on a particular theme. So I'm with, with our community, for example, that I'm building, I've written a whole lot of content in the past um, to build the community. I've written emails to invite people to the community. That's all my voice. I did all of that before um, AI was available to, to us normal people. And I can feed it all that and I can say, hey, I want to write another email that, that's sort of an updated invitation or I want to write an email or a blog post on here that's consistent with the voice of all this and here are the things that I want to cover. If I do that, then I get amazing content right off the bat and maybe it takes me 15, 20 minutes to refine it from there um, and within half an hour I've got an article that probably would have taken me days to write otherwise. And it's in my voice and it's based on the information that I've given it. Exactly. Yeah. That That's also why the AI assistants, they are out there now. So you can save time on this and you can basically pre-train the AI with all of your content. I also saw a, I saw a post the other day from a guy who had basically written his entire life story and then he just feed it to an AI and then the AI can write content based on his own experience. So it's definitely a lot of interesting ways of using it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, um, so what? how do you think AI can enhance the creative aspects of SEO, Just not just in writing content or in doing some programming stuff, but really beyond that? beyond the efficiency and automation? How, how can that play into it? It's a good question because basically what, what SEO people and content creators are using it for is to automate processes they do manually right now. And that's where it excels right now. In the future, what AI can do, that's that's really interesting to to speculate about. Um, I, think, I think it will become better at providing content and be more creative in this writing because sometimes if you have worked with ai now you can really identify the words that the ai use and chat gpt in this case yeah yeah you can really there are some words that just like highlights that this is written by ai so 
that's also the thing, right? The more you actually work with the AI, the more precise you are in your prompts, the better output you get, as as we just talked about before. Um, personally, I like to use uh, AI to uh, to help me with internal link building on my website. So that's, for example, when you want to interlink multiple posts. If you have to do that manually, you need to either you need to really know all of your posts, or you need to go through all of your posts manually and that add links in between your content pieces. But with AI, you can basically just add all the links to your to your website and then write the new article into AI and then say, suggest me some links I can add in this post and in my other post. And then it writes out a long list. Of course, it needs to be a bit more precise than that, but, but that's the primary use of AI uh, as I see it with SEO. It's really to automate those processes that you do manually right now and and also for new ideas, for example, let's say that I'm writing about a new niche and I found a sub niche within that niche, then AI can do competitor research and can help you with uh, finding specific topics you can write within this niche and basically learn you, teach you how you can do specific things within a niche and so on. So I think a lot of times when you sit with a question and you need an answer on the question, the AI is just much better. I should also said than Google because you get an answer much faster and it's curated in a way that it's super easy to to read and understand hmm. Hmm. yes there's, there's i think there's lots of applications and one of the things you said there that that's really important is to be really clear with the instructions um and i've found that in some instances where i haven't got the results it actually helps me clarify my thinking because i realize i've kind of given an instruction that as I was writing it, it seemed to me to be really clear, but then I got a result I was completely unhappy with and I reflect back on the instruction and I think, no, I haven't I haven't been really clear in the instruction. And that kind of really forces me to think through um, what I'm trying to do and think through the steps involved. And And sometimes it's a case of taking a step back and saying, well, what are the what are the small steps within this process that I'm trying to do and go back and, and do it step by step. And I find if you do a prompt chain, for example, and I and do, okay, step one, do this, and then give me the output and ask me if I'm okay with that before proceeding to step two. Um, and that works really well too. Exactly, yeah. And and it's so important to understand that it's it's a machine, it's not a human that can think mm. in between the steps itself. Uh, what I've also seen to work a lot is to actually ask the AI itself, what could a prompt look like if I need this output, yeah. for example? Mm. And then it also comes with, with suggestions. Um, but there, there's a quite funny thing right now with AI, and that is that um, there are speculations that they have realized that it's too expensive for them to provide the quality of the answers that they've been doing. So I don't know if you've been noticing, but it's starting to shortcut some of the answers and it's not giving full answers because they're trying to figure out a way on how they can save server costs because mm. it's so expensive for them to generate this much content. So there are a lot of people that are not finding it as useful at the moment and it's definitely a challenge that they are trying to solve at OpenAI right now. And it's it's all over Twitter and, and LinkedIn in, in the groups that I'm part of. So uh, oh, they really, they, they came out full speed ahead with all the content. It was amazing. And then now they figured out that it's it's a bit too expensive and it doesn't make sense for them. And they're trying to shortcut a bit here and there. So it's it's an interesting time to, to be alive with, with the AI yeah. going up and down like this. 
Yeah, I hadn't noticed that, but it is fascinating. What I had noticed, I was doing something yesterday where I was experimenting and actually building a complex prompt chain, and, and I kept kind of iterating on it and going back and testing the next one I'd done. And I ran into a time limit, which I haven't run into a time limit since, I don't know, about a year ago or so. It was the last time I ran into a time limit. And um, I'm on the pro version, so using ChatGPT4, so I shouldn't really be running into time limits. And I ran into the time limit about three times and it sort of just stopped and said, you know, come back in 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so I know, and I alluded to this at the start of our conversation, you, you're based in Denmark, you started a business in Denmark, you decided Portugal was a great place to move the business to. I'm interested, why Portugal? Why did you make that decision? And then um, what's the story? What are the what were the challenges you faced there? And why, why did you then end up going back to freelancer life? Yeah, it's it's it was a super interesting thing. We it started back in 2017, where I really took freelancing seriously with with a partner. We were sitting in Denmark and we were just working day and night while studying on the side. And we reached a point where we had a good revenue, a good income. So we didn't want to study anymore because the studies we learned more by doing the business part than the studies, and we just it was time to go full on the on the business part. But we also reached a place where we didn't have more hours to basically spend on working every day. So we needed to scale up. And we were looking at scaling in Denmark and it didn't seem quite plausible with, with what we wanted to do. Is the, the, the salaries in Denmark are extremely expensive within web development where it is that I'm freelancing. So we were looking abroad and... I don't know why it turned into Portugal. We were between Spain and Portugal because we also wanted some heat. We wanted some warm countries <laughs> and some cheap salaries. So we were between Spain and Portugal. And we were speaking with uh, some someone in our network. And they said that the main difference between Spain and Portugal is that both places, everything is extremely slow. But in Portugal, the system works. Whereas in Spain, it's horrible if you have to create a company and, and so on. So that's why we, we chose to to go to Portugal and it's a quite quick decision. I think we took the decision in November and then we moved our lives in January, uh, just two months later, everything down there. And it was, it was exciting and everything was new and we had to figure everything out from how do we migrate to the country? How do we create a business entity here? And, and what about accounting and basically everything that we need to figure out. And in Denmark, we're used to uh, everything is online. So if you need a business, you just go online, you create a business in 10 minutes, and then you're rolling from there. Then you contact an accounting company and it's super fast and, and lean. But in Portugal, it's a completely different system because everything is manually on paper and everything takes so much time and um, they, they, they just work slow, <laughs> to, to put it simple. <laughs> So we were, we had to contact a lawyer and the lawyer had to basically do the entire thing of creating this new business entity. And it was important that it was below our entity in Denmark. And there was a lot of stuff there. And it took, I think it took one or two months to, to create the business entity. And, and the funny story is that when we were finally at the last part where we had to put the last signature, we had to go through this like super narrow 
basement all the way to a guy with like a long beard and we had to like shake his hand and, and sign and then he said congratulations and then we were ready to go from there um and then we found some officers and and basically it started rolling there and we had a lot of the clients from denmark who continue to be clients in portugal and then we had to scale up from there and it was it was interesting. It was up and down. We we uh, we scaled everything to. I think we managed to get ten employees, but we scaled way too fast. So we were scaling and we were getting employees, and we had a lot of work, but everything was a mess, and everything just went too fast for us. So within eight ten months, we had to basically figure out what do we do? What's the savior plan here? Because everything was just coming crashing down on us. So we had to to. to basically fire all the employees and figure out how we could get out of this without getting any type of debt because yeah, everything was a mess and, and we were new in the game and there was so much new stuff and it was the first business that we had actually scaled to, to a good income, a good revenue, but without structure and without like a pipeline and all these things, then it's just impossible to run a business and that is actually stable and can continue into the future. So I think we ended up closing everything down in December and then I moved back to Denmark in January, exactly one year after I moved to Portugal. And then I started freelancing. Um, so I started freelancing still within my niche of web development and I tried to get some some SEO jobs and basically just everything I could find, I tried to 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 get on me. And, and this time I was just running the show for myself. I had I had learned the lesson that uh, an agency was not the way for me to go at the moment. Uh, now I just wanted to, basically, uh, can you say lick the wounds? Uh, I wanted to, <laughs> to basically get back on foot and and achieve some success within within my own industry again. And freelancing was great for me. It worked for me. It was on my own terms, and I had some great clients I worked with, and it was slowly moving on from there. And I was working a lot with web development back then. And I slowly, as I said, transitioned into SEO, where it is that I am today a couple of years later. So now it's it's all about SEO and uh, I have SEO clients and I share all my SEO knowledge on YouTube, my newsletter, on my website, and basically just transition. So it's all about SEO now. Um, I transitioned first into technical SEO and now it's all SEO. So super interesting. Hmm. So what, what are some of the lessons you've taken into the freelancing business from, from that uh, venture? Yeah, like the biggest lesson is definitely the, the pipeline issue um, and never take on more work than you actually can. Because I think when, when we started back then, we were just we just took all the work because we were just working nonstop. But it, it was not fun. It was not a fun life because everything was work. And, and when people, they ask me, uh, what should I see in Portugal after I had been there for a year? I had no idea. I couldn't answer any questions because all I had seen was an office and an apartment. <laughs> so the lesson yeah. is definitely some some more balance and uh, say no to clients. It's it's okay if you can't do it now. And often clients they also they're okay by waiting a couple of months until you have a clear schedule and you can focus on their projects. It's not always that they are urgent and they have to get it done immediately. So um, that's definitely the two biggest uh, things that I've taken on and and, uh, and that I'm succeeding with today. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah, well, certainly the balance is a key thing. And um, yeah, it's a kind of pity that you travel to and you're, well, you sort of lived in a new country, embedded yourself in there and had all those opportunities and it was all work. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did we did like surf once in a while, but it was <laughs> so minimal, and I didn't know the city, and uh, it was just it was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, you're obviously in a different place now, but what's the surfing like in Denmark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Denmark is the, is the most flat country with no waves, so yeah, no yeah. surfing here. So now it's and just uh, it's definitely a bit of balance today. I have I have a couple of clients that I work with. I try to take bigger clients, so I don't work with that many clients, and and they are all aware of my situation. And communication is just key. It's it's okay if if. If you can't keep up with the deadline as long as you communicate it's okay if you can't take on a task because it's not within your skill set it's just okay to say no and, and communicate and that's the most important part and that's also what makes me me happy about my work today i don't feel stressed and pressured and oh i have to fix this task so i can create some more revenue because we have employees we need to pay for and an office and stuff like that so it's definitely much better today and i've learned to say no and it's incredible mm. incredible yeah, yeah. Learning to say no—it's—it's it's a hard skill, isn't it? <laughs> it is because you just—you just want everything because you're scared that nothing else will come and you can't create some revenue. And mm. saying no is so important. Mm. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Philip. I, we could go on talking for hours about AI in particular, and lots of stories there. But um, and also your journey is fascinating. I think it's a good time now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is you'll give an answer that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result. So awesome, let's do it. Yes, let's right, do it. Well, what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I think seek new knowledge all the time. Sign up for a newsletter is follow new people on LinkedIn and Twitter and then learn what other people do and then take it into your own craft. And often I get like inspiration to be innovative from other industries and pull it into my own industry and do it in a different way. That's definitely what works for me and I'm sure it will work for you too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great tip. And and I've had other people say that to me and I, I love doing that because I uh, love making those connections. It's... Um, it's quite, and often you come up with some unique ideas there rather than looking within the same industry and saying, well, you know, somebody's doing that, so I'll copy that or mimic that. Um, whereas what are they doing in a different industry and how can that apply to mine is, is something that usually comes up with an innovation. Exactly. Yeah. It's so powerful. Hmm. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? The best thing I've done to develop new ideas is definitely testing. I, t I try every week, I, I maybe I run a new test and uh, see whether it works or not, or I learn something from it. And often when I run a test, then I get an idea for a new test because based on the results and that test gives me a new idea. And so testing different things is definitely what brings most ideas to me. And within SEO, I test a lot of tough stuff from uh, specific titles to descriptions, to intros, to all these different things and yeah you just i get so many ideas from testing that's that's for sure mm -hmm. yeah that's great and and certainly i mean one of the key strategies i guess in seo is is this idea of split testing which is it's a standard technique and that's the philosophy behind that isn't it 
yeah for sure it's so important to test and and test because sometimes it's one letter or it's one number that's wrong for that people don't click on your on your article in, in google SERP or it's like a description that's wrong so it's just so important to test and see what works best mm. all right um do you have a favorite resource you use most often favorite resource i think i think that must be youtube um there's just so much knowledge on youtube especially also within seo and it's so fun to see what other people are testing and working with and get ideas based on that and and it's not only within seo it's as we also talked about before it's other industries it's love to see what other people are working on to grow their business mm -hmm. and then take inspiration to to pull into my own and see what i can do to grow my business Mm. Yeah, well, we haven't talked about YouTube yet, have we? We sort of talked about no. Google, Google as the search engine and then ChatGPT as maybe the usurper, but uh, YouTube's actually the second biggest search engine, isn't it? It is. It is definitely. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's a completely different game. It's mm. like it's if you want to rank in, in YouTube, it's completely different than than Google. Uh, it's definitely interesting. And and for sure it is people often forget how big of a search engine it is. And there's just there's so much opportunity on YouTube. Mm. And as you say, such a rich source of information too. Mm. It is All right. Exactly. Um, you touched on communication before. What's the best way to keep a project on track? Yeah, definitely communication. That's for sure. And and I think people are so afraid of deadlines that if they don't reach a deadline, then everything will come crashing down. Um, and as long as you communicate with your client or your colleagues or whatever it is, that people understand that life happens and, and you're a human being and we can't account for everything. We can't predict everything that's going to happen. So communication is key to keep a project on track. Also, because when other people are depending on you to finish your stuff, if they know that you're going to be delayed, that means that they have time to maybe do something else in the meantime. So communication is just key to keep a project on, on deadline. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. That's, uh, that's certainly a big point and, um, communication is key. Sometimes it's, sometimes we think we haven't made any progress. There's nothing to report. So we don't communicate. I know I fall into this trap quite a lot and I have to keep reminding myself that it's actually better to go back and say there's nothing to report uh, everything is on track um, but there's nothing to report right now so th that communication can actually be really valuable too exactly yeah. it's so important that people they don't, they don't sit with a sensation of what, what's going on it's so important that they are informed and you don't need to inform every single day but just that they are informed that they know that it's on, on track, as you say, or if something is falling behind, or if there's simply nothing to to tell, then also say that, just that there is a communication. Hmm. Excellent. All right, final question of the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, be themselves, for sure. Uh, we always strive to, to be someone who is succeeding, but no one is like you. So just keep being you and, and it's okay. Not, not everyone is going to like you and, and that's how it is. Just keeping your true self and that's also how you create an audience and how people start trusting you. And so, yeah, for sure, just be yourself. Yeah, that's... I guess if I were to rank all the answers to that question over the 600 odd episodes, that that's probably one that comes up, um, I guess, once in once in every three or four episodes. 
Uh, but it is so <laughs> yeah. true, isn't it? We uh, we sometimes fall into this trap of comparing ourselves to others or um, looking at somebody and saying, well, they're really successful and I like what they do, so I'll... I'll um, instead of saying I'll learn from that or I'll develop my own way of doing something similar or or of achieving that success, we kind of say, well, I've got to do it like that. And, mm-hmm. and we lose ourselves along the way. Exactly. And we all have different stories and different ways of working. And if you absolutely have to compare yourself to someone, then compare yourself to how you were yesterday and then see how you're progressing from there. Yeah, that's right. That's 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 the comparison. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, fantastic, Philip. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing? Maybe read your blog post. I know there's a download and and um, a free ebook there on on your favorite AI tools, which is really interesting. So, where can people find out more about you and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, I'm, I'm super active on Twitter and, and recently also LinkedIn, where I share all of my tests that I do and what I work with every single day with SEO. And if you want to get some behind the scenes. And then I have my website, which is philipsteeman.com. And in there, as you say, you're going to have, uh, actually I have two ebooks. I have one on the, what I believe are the best AI copywriting tools after testing more than 50. And recently, I've released a checklist and 25-point checklist uh, for your on-page SEO. And they're super simple uh, to perform, and they will definitely help you rank better. So um, go check them out. Excellent. All right. And as always, we'll have the links in the show notes to those, those places so people can just click straight through. So finally, Philip, before we wrap up, what action would you like the listeners to take out of our conversation today? So if you're not new to SEO, but if you're getting started with SEO or you may be doing a little bit of SEO, then sign up for a Google Search Console account. It's something that a lot of people surprisingly haven't. And it's just there's so much data and gold in there to get. Because in Google Search Console, you can see all your clicks and all your impressions from Google. And you can see other keywords that you're not ranking for that you can pursue, how Google sees your website, if you have any issues. So yeah, sign up for Google Search Console. It takes one minute and you get so much value from it. Yeah, yeah, there's such a lot of information in there. I mean, it's overwhelming. So um, when you sign up, don't get overwhelmed by all the information there. Just focus on a few things and sort of tread carefully. Um, but it is hugely valuable, as you say. And also the one of the first things to do there, I guess, is make sure that um, the site's actually being indexed by Google. Exactly. Which exactly. Um, I learned when I first started building websites it was actually not the case for most websites. <laughs> no, it's not. Sometimes there is like, a, if you're building with WordPress, there's like a little checkbox that people sometimes forget to uncheck when they release their website and then Google <laughs> yeah, will yeah. never index your website. Okay, so, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of information in there. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, Philip. This has been a wonderful conversation today. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great to dig into some aspects of SEO, talk about your journey from um, rapidly starting a, a, a business and growing it or rapidly growing it and uh, moving it to Portugal and dealing with all the different 
cultural aspects of starting a business there and then kind of winding it all back and going back to freelancing. So really enjoyed hearing that story and also the um, tips you've shared about SEO have been really valuable. So thanks for that and all the best for the future and let's keep in touch. Definitely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flywheel and secure your membership to the exclusive Flywheel Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywheel Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.